Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. So I have a question for you, and that's how do you get a busy marketing leader to give you or your agency the time of day? You can have everything perfectly positioned. You could have all the case studies in the world, and still they might not talk to you if they were not actively looking for an agency right now. So what do you do? Because you know that you have to be opening these doors consistently and early so that you are the shoe in when that need actually arises and so that you can actually encourage a solution to the problem that the brand might be experiencing. But how do you open that door to begin with? Well, it's a simple yet difficult task and its simplicity lies in descending the right words to the right people. The problem is most agencies never figure out how to do it at scale. So they remain tethered to sporadic referrals, RFP, dog and pony shows, and other stuff that tends to create a feast and famine dynamic. To get beyond this, many agencies spin their wheels even more on start and stop campaigns, and they just sort of end up as the cobbler's children forever. They, they serve their clients well, but they don't effectively market themselves. So instead of overcomplicating the sales process and trying to do everything under the sun, what if you had a repeatable process for simply opening doors, for de-risking conversations with busy and skeptical prospects? Today, I'd like to give you something that's going to help in a big way, and it's basically 10 effective agency-to-brand email templates that we have developed from thousands of campaigns. You can get that by going to saleschema.com slash templates, plural. Again, that's saleschema.com slash templates. As a little disclaimer, this lead magnet will not completely solve the problem of getting repeatable new business, but it's going to be a big step in the right direction since a little inspiration can go a long way. So that's saleschema.com slash templates. Again, saleschema.com slash templates. So today on the show, we have Ben Aston. Ben is a digital project manager and online entrepreneur, uh, and he brings 15 years of experience in the ad world, including at shops in the UK, US, and Canada, like Tag, Dare, Wonderman, DLKW, Low, and DDB. So certified Scrum Master, Prince2 practitioner, practitioner, excuse me, and founder of the digital project management blog, the Digital Project Manager. So I think uh, it's really useful to get back to project management best practices and just to see how these things are being shaped by new ideas and by new technology and so on. Um, I think it really kind of bears repeating that you know project management has been around for for a while and uh, there's there's a lot of ways to do it well. So I, I definitely learned a lot from this episode. Um, in our you know particular world, doing what we do, Kanban is the thing to look at. So that was my main takeaway. So I have marching orders from this episode to really tighten things up and get better at project management. So uh, very few people uh, as as qualified to talk about this as Ben Aston. Uh, and without further ado, let's give it up for him. Ben, thanks for coming on the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah, likewise. So uh, uh, we we've never really done like an official project management episode. We've we've ta- we've danced around it in different ways. We've done lots of uh, we've had lots of bookkeepers, accountants, controllers on, but never really did. You know, for some reason, it's just a blind spot for us. So there's so much to talk about. I'm guessing that things are different and changing. If I if I had to guess outside looking in for the project management space, but um, maybe a good jumping off point would just be to, to learn a little bit more about your background and how you came to, to be being a thought leader in this space? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my background is in the agency world. So, um, straight after uni, I 
knew I wanted to be in the world of advertising and communications. So that's where things started for me. I was in a above the line agency. So working on TV, radio, and, pr- and press. Um, my first client actually was Stella Artois, which was a cool, a beer client for your first client. Pretty cool. Um, but then I um, yeah, focused on digitals because I'd always been interested in the web and the world of online and the possibility that be making websites uh, and yeah realized that I could work in digital so I was an account manager at a digital agency and then made the transition into digital project management so managing projects for at that time I was really focused on Sony um, and that was also fun um, but I got into yeah the world of project management by accident, really. I was an account manager um, focused on brands and relationships. And somehow, by accident, I got into the world of delivery and managing projects um, because I was told by the recruiter that they were kind of the same thing. And I believe them. And it's very, very different. So I had a bit of a rude awakening uh, in learning how to be a digital project manager. And so after a few years, I decided, hey, well, maybe I think I've learned something by now. I think I can help other people a bit who probably experienced the same kind of thing, being thrust into the job uh, without really knowing much about it. So, yeah, I started the Digital Project Manager, and now it's grown into a big community, which is great. We have a, an online course as well to help people manage projects in a digital world. Uh, but, yeah, we're trying to really write the playbook together for how we deliver projects Um, how we manage projects, how we deliver value in the world of digital. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it reminds me of my trajectory a little bit because I started as an account manager uh, in an agency here in New York and then moved, kind of became a degenerate salesperson somehow (laughs) instead of uh, a project manager. And I think it's probably because my attention to detail was, was never, I was never a super great operational thinker, more of, more of a marketing guy. Um, But that that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So, so with that in mind, you know, kind of, kind of focusing on project management and and starting, um, you know, at, at a bigger agency back in the day. How have you seen things change? What were you doing back then? What what have you kept? What have you thrown away from that time? I'd I'd love to know. Yeah. Do you know, I think there's uh, a lot that big agencies do well and strategic thinking, um, critical thinking, uh, the whole, the strategy side of thing is super strong. Um, And the customer research, customer insights, writing, writing really good briefs is something that definitely was really strong for the advertising world. Um, and I think, but I think there's a lot that's changed and I think that our reliance on tools now and the number of tools that we have out there to manage projects more effectively, to know where things are at, uh, to be able to manage projects remotely. These are all things that when I started out, we definitely did not have. Um, it was a lot more paper-based. Um, so yeah, now being able to use project management tools to, manage projects more effectively, have more control over those projects, knowing who's working on what um, is is definitely more effective than wandering around an office with a notepaper and pen, although that was quite fun. Um, yeah, it's, it, that landscape has changed and the, the availability and uh, the tools that we have allow us to manage projects really effectively remotely. And so I think that's what's changing and that's what will continue to change in the post-COVID era. There's also the emergence of more interesting project insight tools. So as project managers, we can have insights on what's going on in our projects. We can forecast things better. We can plan resources more effectively. So 
as project managers, we can be focused more on delivering value and making sure that we're doing the right thing uh, and less focused on the administration side of the project. So that's kind of, I guess, the big strategic shift I see is project managers moving from administrators to guardians of value. And, and it's more of a strategic project delivery role than a someone who's ticking the boxes, making sure everyone's doing their job. Yeah. And would you mind digging into that a little bit more? Like what you mean by guardians of value and how that role is changing versus what it was? Yeah. So I think when I'm talking about guardians of value, I'm, I'm talking about making sure the stakeholders or the clients get the best value that they can for the money that they're paying. So I think blind project management, let's call it, is taking a client's brief, taking their budget, taking the timeline, and just doing what they want in the order that they want it to be done. Uh, and what we're not being there is strategic about, is this the right thing that we should be doing in the right order? Is this going to devalue? Is value going to be delivered efficiently? Is it going to be devalued, delivered early and often? Um, and I think as project managers, we can shift a project around to set things up so that we are delivering value early and often so that we're uh, thinking about, okay, what is the most efficient, what's the most efficient, the low hanging fruit that we can deliver quickly, that's going to be most impactful. And I think thinking about that, not just taking a client brief blindly, but being strategic about how we deliver it. And in that strategic delivery we're then adding a lot of value because the stakeholders and the clients are seeing a return on their investment earlier. So it's benefits realization and seeing, seeing how that investment can deliver value earlier, which I think is good for the relationship overall because they're seeing some results uh, rather than a big, you know, go away, work away on something for a few months and then a big ta-da, um, here's, here's what you paid for. And it turns out, oh, maybe it's not quite right or people are a bit more surprised. So I think it's more of an agile mindset um, about delivering early and often. It's about collaboration. I'm not talking about necessarily delivering through an agile framework, but I'm talking about a mindset that's agile and that's thinking about delivering value and, and that being the reason why a project's worth doing in the first place. Right, right. That makes sense. And I guess with that in mind, just for more context, would you mind talking a bit about the, the demographics of the projects that compose your community, like is it X percent web design development, Y percent something else, and just kind of what that what that spread yeah. tends to look like? So, yeah, I think we've seen um, the community change, whereas we're definitely early on when we started, it was very much focused around people who are working in digital agencies um, who are delivering projects for their clients. And I think what we've seen is as... Uh, agent, the agency world has changed really. And, and ha as we've seen clients take on and create their own digital teams internally uh, and try and enable delivery internally within their own delivery teams, we've now got digital project managers in large organizations, in higher education, in all these places where digital agencies used to serve. They've now created their own capabilities in-house and so now we see digital project managers, not just from agencies, but from these large organizations as well. So it's a real melting pot of agencies, organizations, higher education, nonprofits, governments. Um, there, there's 
people from all over the place. And yes, there's lots of web-based projects. So there's lots of website design, redesign, but there's product development as well. There's platforms, there's apps uh, that people are creating. Um, there's some marketing campaigns as well, but I think it's it's generally people are working on platform builds of some kind or another, whether or not that's a website that they're iterating on, or maybe that's a piece of technology that's enabling one of their clients or stakeholders to do something to, to manage something more effectively. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And to kind of go back to what you were talking about earlier with, with the tools and the technology, I think this um, creates a lot of hand wringing, you know, for, for different people in different situations. Um, so I, I guess the question is like, how much, how much stock do you put in the value of tools? Like if, do you recommend people use X for, for every situation or how, how do you think about the software from a high level? Yeah, I definitely don't have a, any preferred software that I would recommend above and beyond like any, anything else. I think, I think you need to look at the kind of projects that you're delivering, the kind of projects that you're working on, um, your internal processes, what tools you already have, because adding another tool to the mix usually doesn't help. Uh, but so for what I'm really keen on and the kind of tool set that I like is, um, yeah, not a one trick pony. Um, the tool that tries to do everything I don't really like. I think I'm more excited by tools that try having and introducing a discrete piece of functionality that solves a specific problem that integrate really well with other tools. So it's a tool that integrates well with everything else uh, and allows data to move easily between them. Um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for in a tool. So I want the best time tracking tool out there. I want the best resource management tool out there. I want the best project management tool out there. The best um, timeline creating software out there. And I want them to all integrate and play nicely with one another uh, because then I think you get the benefit of the best in breed tools rather than a tool that's just added, tried adding a piece of timeline functionality to their software, but that's not really what the tool is all about. So yeah, yeah I'm a big fan of best in breed. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And this might be kind of meandering. I'm trying to try to bring it to a succinct question, but I think for us and a lot of our clients, um, we're, you know, we're on retainer models. We're on the idea of engendering uh, a long-term relationship where you're solving a particular problem over a long period of time. For us, it's helping our clients close new business. Um, for our clients, you know, it could be them helping brands carry out a, a long-term inbound media campaign, something to that effect. So I guess what, what I've struggled with is trying to figure out when and where to use project management best practices, given that there's this sort of opened-in time horizon and the idea that you want to set kind of an open-ended uh, expectation with a client. So, but, but at the same time, there's a lot of value to thinking in a project-based way because then you know, all the, all the loose ends are tied up and everything's done in a clean manner. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I'd just love yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think w when working with retainers and kind of ongoing engagement, it creates a lot of flexibility in there, which is great. Um, and I think project management best practices that can help us uh, deliver more value is thinking about, yeah, how we prioritize that backlog of things that we need to do. How, how do we decide what to do in what order? Uh, how do we look at the 
the benefits or value that we're going to get out of each of these things that we need to do and make sure we're prioritizing things in the right way. But also we can think about optimizing our throughput. So supposing we yeah have a retainer that allows for 80 hours a month or a certain number of deliverables, how can we streamline the way that we produce those deliverables? What process can we create to optimize that? Or how can we uh, how can we get create more throughput with those 80 hours? And it could be that we actually reduce the number of things that are in progress at any one time. Or it could be that we templatize things. Or there's different ways that we can approach how we tackle the work um, and evaluating even just some simple things as simple as um, planning planning things in sprints, planning, creating that backlog of things to do, seeing how much we can actually get done in that timeline, evaluating the the throughput, um, and then working out how we can optimize that with lessons learned. So there's some agile principles that we can begin to introduce that help us become more efficient, help us deliver more value. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure there, there's lots to dig in there. I, I guess with, with that in mind, are there... Are there issues that you you tend to see over and over again? You know, or if you could just, it's the, I think Tim Ferriss always has the question, if you could put up a billboard and tell people to stop doing these things, do you have a version of that for, for project management? Um, I think the thing that I would tell people to start doing is to start tracking time properly. I think, I think it's one of those things that no one is really excited about tracking time because it feels onerous. It feels a bit big brothery, um, but it's incredibly effective. If you want to know how your team is spending their time, then they need to track their time. You need to track every minute of the day um, because then you can analyze where people do spend time. Do they spend 30% of their time in meetings? I bet you think they don't, but they probably do. So um, even just understanding the dynamics of what a work week looks like for your team uh, enables you to begin to resource them effectively, enables you to begin to plan out people's time more effectively, work out what your capacity is as an agency, um, enables you to think about what, how much work you need to book in in order to be profitable. So for me, it all starts going down to the very basic component of what do you have as an agency where you have resources, you have a team that can deliver a certain amount of work. So how do we optimize the amount of work that they can deliver and maximize the amount of value they can produce? Right, right. That makes sense. And to dig into time tracking a little bit, um, I think it's it's one of those things that most agencies know they need to do, but not all of them do it or, you know, not oftentimes the habit doesn't stick. Are there any things, is there anything that you've seen to be effective in making that stick and actually getting everybody on board with it long-term? Yeah, I think I think policing it is the is the only real solution here until it becomes a habit. So I think it takes like 30 days to form a habit or something. And so I'm a big fan of just making a big deal about timesheets. So every day at 5 p.m., go around the office or on Slack, just keep on typing timesheets out until everyone does them and then uh, make sure that they have done their timesheets. So but maybe put it in people's calendars, a reminder, timesheets, it's 5 p.m., go and do your timesheets. Um, then check to see if everyone's done it. If they haven't, go back and ask them to do it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's creating a habit. It's forming a habit in people's minds that this is something that happens 
it's part of their work day. It's a ritual like anything else. So helping form a habit, I think is super, super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Slack. Um, so let's talk about Slack. Uh, yeah. where, where do you think Slack fits into the, the, the realm of project management, if at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think most project managers in a digital world have Slack open on their computer right now. They're talking with their teams. Uh, they're talking with their stakeholders, even in shared channels. So absolutely. I think as a communication tool, uh, Slack, Microsoft Teams, uh, depending on you know what what you're using, but these commun- these real time communication tools can be incredibly effective. I think where they begin to fall apart is where they're used for everything. So I think they're great for communication. I don't think they're so good for managing a project, but I think you could, there are ways to integrate Slack with the project management tools you're using. And so finding a way to tie those together, to create notifications, to point people in the right direction, get them to go to the places where we need them to go um, is a great thing to do. So it's a communication tool. It's not a project management tool, but if we can use it to help grease the wheels of communication, I think it can be really useful. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And I, I know that one thing that that you've you, you cover a lot is um, is basically managing, controlling like one runaway projects to increase yeah. profitability. So I, I love to to learn uh, some of the best practices. What you're what you're seeing to be effective there? Yeah. So I think when we think about profitability, there's there's some different levers that we can pull, and I think it starts with us taking on the right projects to begin with. Um, I think often we can be guilty of taking on projects when we haven't really assessed our ability to deliver that project. You know, it's, we separate new business from delivery. And I think the more that we can integrate delivery and project management into new business, it enables us to create more realistic estimates upfront estimates that are cognizant of our team's ability to deliver and the timeline for that delivery and the cost for that delivery so I think it, I think profitability, increasing profitability starts with the new business sales component. Are we actually selling projects in that we can realistically deliver profitably? So I think that's where it starts. I think it's about estimating things properly, creating realistic timelines and statements of work that are actually robust. And again, I think we can be guilty of being a bit fast and loose being excited about the sale, which of course is super important, but they're not really taking the time to estimate things and plan things out properly. So there's a new business component, there's a planning component, and then in managing and controlling, again, it comes down to those timesheets. Are we, do we actually have the data to know where we're at on the project? And so often I think we don't have the data. We kind of have a feeling that something's on track or a feeling that it might be behind but unless we have a timeline that we're tracking against, unless we have timesheet tracking data, how do we know how far through the budget we've actually got? So it comes down to creating data points, creating milestones to enable us to track how we're doing on the project. And these are just some simple things that we can put in place, which together enable us to deliver more predictably, to enable us to deliver then more profitably because we've actually allowed the time and the budget to do the project properly. Right, right. And this is maybe a question I should have asked earlier because it's more foundational, but I'd love to understand a little bit more about um, project management philosophies. And I'm not an expert on them, but you hear about Scrum, you hear about Agile, all these things. 
how do you think about project management philosophies? Is, is it the sort of thing where it's like a team where you're on, you're on the scrum team or you're an arsenal person <laughs> or, or do you, are you picking and choosing like a buffet? Like how, how do you think about what to apply? And yeah. So I, when we think about project management methodologies, I think, um, it, I don't think it's so much a team as a think of it as a toolkit. So project management methodology, they're just methods of delivery and ways that we can approach delivering projects. So Scrum provides us with a really prescriptive framework, a process to follow for how to deliver projects. So that's very much follow these steps and you'll be delivering in an agile framework, which is called Scrum. And in, in contrast to that, you can say, oh, well, actually, that Scrum process doesn't really fit the way that we work and the clients that we're working with. And I think sometimes people can get caught up in the framework or the methodology without trying to work out, is this really a good fit for our clients? Is this really a good fit for our team? Is this really a good fit for the process or the type of work that we're producing? So rather than being prescriptive about a methodology, I definitely think an agile mindset is useful and helpful. And with by that agile mindset, I'm talking about being collaborative, about uh, delivering iteratively, about talking to customers and getting their insights, those kind of things, delivering value early and often. That's that's super important. That's an agile mindset. But I think what's that's that's helpful in terms of delivering value, but I think I'm not being prescriptive about a methodology or a framework in order to see that happen. So I don't think Scrum is a very good framework really for agencies delivering projects. And the reason for that is because often the clients or stakeholders we're working with aren't empowered to make decisions. Often they're not available to make decisions. Uh, often they don't have an endless budget or they don't have a flexible timeline. So because of all these reasons, I don't think scrums are particularly good fit, generally speaking. Um, so I think we have to work out, okay, well, what does work? Is it more of a waterfall-based approach? But maybe we bring in some of these agile components. So I'm a big fan of hybrid methodologies. I think they work really well for agencies. And I think that's fine. I don't think a prescriptive methodology is necessarily the answer. But if it is for you, then that's great. I think just do what works. Yeah. And and with that in mind and selfishly asking, is, the, is there one of those or a combination of those that works well for retainers and for more of like a reoccurring service model? Yeah. So I think a Kanban approach, I would say is good for uh, retainers. Um, in, in the Kanban approach, we have a backlog similarly to Scrum. We have a backlog of things that people want done. And what we're trying to do is get, it's like a factory. Uh, it was Kanban originated from Toyota uh, when they're trying to work out how to get more stuff out the factory. And so if you think about a factory, you know, you start off with the, I don't know how you build a car, but uh, you know, you're adding in different parts to the car as it goes through the factory. Uh, so there's different processes and it's kind of like, if you're familiar with Trello, Trello is a Kanban tool. So there's a process that something goes through. Uh, and as we go through the process, we're adding different things or we're putting checks and balances in place. And so this is a really good model for a retainer based approach when typically 
we're, we're going through the same process time and time again, and we're, we're doing the same kinds of activities. And what we've got to do is manage the backlog of things that we've got to go through so that we uh, prioritize those things correctly. And then what we're trying to do is maximize our throughput. And the way that we do that is by not having too many things on the go at any one time. And so we want to increase our throughput, get more stuff out the door and optimize that flow. So think about how we can optimize the process of getting from A, the brief, to B, the point of delivery. How do we, how do we optimize that process? Well, usually it's by reducing the number of things that are being worked on at any one time uh, and making sure that we're prioritizing things effectively. So Kanban's a great model to use for retainers. Right, right. That's that's really helpful, and I'll need to dig into that. Um, so, one thing you mentioned earlier was the uh, the evolving role of you know digital project managers and into project leads. I, so, I guess with with that in mind, how important do you think it is that those people be be client facing? Yeah, I think I think it's a lot easier to be strategic if you are client facing. I think if you're not client facing. Uh, it's hard to get under the skin of what a client and a, and a business is all about. So yeah, I think being client facing, uh, I think is the is the best model when when you're you can. It's not like you have good cop, bad cop. Often traditionally in agencies, they'll either be the yeah the account team and then they'll pass the project over to the delivery team, and then you can have this good cop, bad cop dynamic, which, you know, works okay. But I think more straightforward and probably cheaper is just having one person who talks to the client and talks with the team. So yes, it's asking more of that account project person. Uh, it is a hybrid role, but they're, yes, they're engaging with the client. They're taking the brief, they're talking to them about the delivery, and then they are uh, making sure the team delivers it. And there's an open, transparent conversation. It's not a game of smoke and mirrors where the account person says, well, let me just go and talk to my project manager. We'll get back to you. And then plays this game of telephone where the project manager says, no, we can't deliver it. Uh, they haven't got the budget for that. And then the account person says, you know, the project manager thinks it might be possible. So it just gets rid of all of that noise that happens sometimes in this uh, in the agency client relationship uh, where account managers, I think, and I used to be an account manager, so I'm guilty of this myself, but you know, we, we put our best foot forward. We're trying to retain the business. We're trying to get more work. Um, but maybe we're compromising delivery as a result. And then the long-term value or nature of the relationship isn't as strong or as good as it could be. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so, you know, it's definitely asking more of one role, but then that's cleaner and easier and has a lot more going for it than, than, you know, all these different parties involved. So I guess the question is, do you think there's a bigger need overall to make project managers into better salespeople or to make salespeople into better project managers? Oh man. Yeah. Good question. I, I think, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from a, uh, now project management background, but I've also worked in new business. I think project managers who can sell, that would be super powerful because project managers understand about delivery. And when, we, when we're making a sale, we don't just want to sell once. We want to be able to keep selling. And the only way that we can keep selling and to retain a client is if they think they're getting value, is if the, if the relationship is working. 
So for me, a failure is you sell in a project and you only deliver it once. The cost of sale is too high. So suppose you have project managers who can help and in that new business process, sell in projects effectively, sell in projects that you can actually deliver. That's sticky. That's going to be a relationship that lasts. And so having the ability to, to plan a project properly, manage and control it effectively, um, and then yeah, help with that business development side of things, I think is incredibly effective. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense and definitely no shortage of, of things to learn to, to deal with both sides of the coin. So um, with that in mind, I would, would love to learn, you know, what you're up to these days uh, at DPM and uh, how people can, can get in touch with you. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning, we, we have a community and uh, we're really excited about this community we're growing. It's for people who are delivering projects in a digital world. So whether or not you're an account manager or a project manager or a producer, whatever your job title is, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's a community for people who have to go through that process of planning and managing, controlling, initiating projects, new business. Uh, it's all it's all in there. So the community is really for people who want to get better to find people like them who are interested in in delivering in a digital world. And so for for people as well who have uh, may perhaps new to managing projects, we also offer online training. Uh, so you can check it out at the digitalprojectmanager.com. You'll find there about our membership and our training uh, that we offer, which is really to help give people the skills they need to manage projects effectively, to plan them properly, uh, to deliver them effectively so that it enables this sticky relationship with clients uh, because we're delivering effectively, we're delivering value. So yeah, check it out, the digitalprojectmanager.com. Awesome. Awesome. Ben, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. If you would like to get access to 10 effective agency-to-brand email outreach templates, again, this is a way to get inspired and open doors tastefully with your future dream clients by learning from real campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to that, you can go to saleschema.com slash templates, plural. Again, that's saleschema.com slash templates. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode. Thank you.